you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. said I looked at the pit from whence he had dug me he brought me a mighty mighty long way he brought me out of the miry clay set my feet on a rock to stay the songwriter said he put a song in my soul to stay amen 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 last week I talked to you about how to be saved and this week I want to talk to you about how to stay saved Romans chapter 12, I'm going to begin with verse number 1 and talk to you for a little while on this subject. The Apostle Paul is writing proper biblical context is so very important. The Apostle Paul writes, of course, to the church in Rome, recalling the fact that when the letter to the Romans were written, it was not the beginning fundamentals of salvation. Salvation had already happened in the book of Acts. The letters to the church, such as the book of Romans, was written to a church that already had experienced the book of Acts experience. They had already been born again of the water and of the Spirit. And so now when the letters are written to the church, they are told this is how you're supposed to live your life. This is how you continue to serve the Lord. And so this morning I take your attention to the book of Romans chapter 12 and begin with verse number 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Everybody say a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable. Everybody say reasonable. It is your reasonable service. A living sacrifice is 
a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing, everybody say the renewing of your mind, that you may prove to who? Evidently to everybody around you, to everybody that sees you, to everybody that knows you. So your proving has the ability to grab the attention of everybody around you, to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By the help of the Lord this morning, I'm going to speak to you about having a personal altar. A personal altar. Before you're seated, let me make these remarks to you. The most important thing that you can possibly do is to have a daily relationship, daily communication with God. It is astounding to me how many people only pray when they are in church, only open their Bible when they're in the house of the Lord. That's not the plan of God nor the will of God for your life, and you'll never grow and flourish and be what God wants you to be until we understand that our lives must be a living. That's, that's every day. You live every day. It's got to be a living sacrifice. Every day I've got to get in the Word of God. Every day I've got to get it connected with God. Every day I need to pray. I need Him to hear my voice. I need to know that He hears my voice. And this is the part we often miss. We need to hear His voice. We need to give some time to just be on location with God, but I'm not telling him how to do it or what needs to be done, but I'm telling him, Lord, I'm just going to be silent for a little bit and let your word speak to me. And I open his word because what God is speaking in this day, he's already spoken in his word. It may come to you in a fresh way. It may come to you in some form of a new revelation, but it is he's already spoken everything that he needs to speak to save our soul. God, we need you this morning. I need you this morning to deliver the word that you have put in my spirit today. I pray, Lord, that your spirit and your power takes preeminence in this room. Lord, that my words to this congregation today may fall short, but your spirit, Lord, is able to speak. For the letter killeth, but the spirit make brings life. And Lord, I pray today that your spirit brings life to every heart and every soul and every mind in this room this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in G everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. A personal daily relationship with the Savior is only possible by keeping a daily personal relationship with the altar. The most important place in my life is not the dinner table, it's not my office, it's not in a meeting room, a counseling room, a study room, a seminar. The most important place in my life is my personal altar. 
And the most important time in my day is the time that I spend alone with God in prayer. No matter what you seek to accomplish in this life, in ministry, in your family, in your home, on your job, no matter where it is, no matter what you seek to accomplish in life or ministry, it will never be greater than your daily altar. Every man and every woman needs and must have a personal altar. I'm not talking about a wooden bench. I'm not talking about a specific spot. It's good if you have one, but I'm talking about time alone with God in prayer. Without prayer, you will grow weak. Without daily communication with God, you will grow weak. Your relationship with Him is not dependent upon your offering, even upon your acts of kindness and service in your community. But your daily communication with God, your personal altar, is what will determine the outcome of your relationship with God. Everybody needs a personal altar. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses issues a final warning to Israel just before they entered into the promised land. He says, beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Without prayer, it's so easy to forget. Joshua chapter 4 says that God ordered the children of Israel to build a memorial so that they would never forget what the Lord God had done in their lives. The meaning of the Hebrew word memorial simply means to remember. Given man's propensity to forget, it's little wonder that altars and memorials have played such an important role in biblical history. At the foot of Mount Sinai, Moses built an altar of stone to commemorate God's covenant with Israel. Then the scripture teaches that Jacob built an altar and Jacob named that altar. And I believe when he named that altar there that it was intentional and it was important for you and I today. First, I believe that he named it to help Jacob remember where he had come from and what God had done in his life. I want to speak this morning to everybody in this room, whether you are a new Christian or you've been serving God for a while or a very long while. I want to tell you that we must never forget what God has done in our lives. Do you remember where you were when the Holy Ghost came and found you? Do you remember where you were in that life of despair? And oh, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Some of us need to stir up our pure mind by way of remembrance and be reminded of where we were when God found us. Or maybe you've been a lifetime Christian, then you need to think about what God has kept you from and kept you out of and kept you from getting into. And every day we ought to thank God 
God for where he's brought us to. Jacob was a man that was in perpetual motion. From the time he was born, he was always reaching for something that he didn't have. In fact, the first phase of his life, he was always striving for his brother's stuff. From his heel to his birthright, and finally he got the blessing that was meant for his brother. This striving caused so much struggle in his life until he finally found himself driven away from his mother's house. And he left there running away from trouble and problems. He left there in haste and found himself in love with a woman that he could not have. After dealing with Laban, the girl's father, he worked for seven years to marry the woman that he loved. And after that, uh, the wedding and celebration, it turned out he still didn't have what he had worked for. His father-in-law gave him the wrong daughter. So for another seven years, what a sad story. He worked and labored for the woman that he loved. The same cycle continued in every area of Jacob's life. In his finances, Jacob just couldn't seem to get ahead. As, as was Jacob's way, he found himself at odds with his father-in-law again. He left with his family and a few belongings and once again began running away from trouble. Jacob's path was leading him back to the place that he had first left when he first got into trouble. There is a striving, but the striving is inside of the man. The striving was in himself. He was a man that was so full of internal strife and he found himself having to confront his problems, the problems of his past. He worked out the best way he could find to pacify the anger of his brother. And when he had done everything that he could do, once again he found himself alone. Alone he was in misery. Alone in his personal struggle. Alone without the encouragement of his brother or his family. But there, while he was alone, there was something that happened, and that was that he encountered God. He, it would, I don't know if he had even intended to encounter God there, but alone there, the Bible said that he wrestled with a man. Now, the Bible scholars can debate this until uh, we all become weary with what it was and who it was. The Bible calls it an angel that he wrestled with, but I think that it was more than just an angel because there uh, Jacob, who was filled with internal strife, uh, wrestled with the angel of the Lord uh, during his sleep, but I believe internally that Jacob was also wrestling in his own mind and in his own spirit. The man that Jacob wrestled.
wrestled with was himself. Yes, the angel of the Lord was there and he wrestled with the angel, but the man that he wrestled with would have been named Joseph, Jacob. It would have been named himself. He was wrestling with himself. Can I say to you this morning that our greatest victory will come when we conquer the man we wrestle with when we are alone. If you miss everything else I say this morning, you ought to write that down because your greatest victory will come when you conquer this flesh. When you conquer the man that you wrestle with when you are alone and nobody is watching. Who is the man that we wrestle with when I when I am alone? I'll tell you who I wrestle with when I am alone. I wrestle the man that I see in the mirror every morning. It's the man that I live with every day. When Jacob wrestled the night through, he left the next morning after his encounter because somewhere that night when he laid his head on a stone pillow for the night, there wrestling with a man, he had an encounter with the Lord and it came in the form of an angelic being and there he wrestled with the man and there as the angel that he wrestled with uh, said let me go for the day cometh but there was something that happened that night uh, as he laid his head upon a stone pillow and it was that he said I'm tired of the strife that I am living in and that I have lived in up until this point uh, and he grabs a hold of the angel and he says you are the only hope that I have in overcoming the man that I've wrestled with uh, from the time I was in my mother's womb. Uh, and he said, I will not let you go uh, until you bless me. Uh, this wasn't an ordinary blessing. Uh, this wasn't a blessing of money. This wasn't a blessing of finances or help even. But he said, I'm not letting you go uh, until the strife uh, that I have been dealing with, uh, the internal strife uh, that I have faced since my mother's womb, uh, until you bless me to the point uh, that my life is changed uh, and things turn around in my life, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jacob wrestles the night through, refusing to let go after his encounter. Wrestling, he was in grasp of God's mercy and grace. Wrestling, he had been seeking for answers. Wrestling, he was attempting to smite the overwhelming battle within the flesh and between his ears. Then often the mindset of wrestling brings us to the point of literally having to smite the flesh, having to kill the flesh, 
having to destroy the flesh. I hope what I am speaking to you, I come to you under the unction and anointing of the Holy Ghost to tell you this morning, Pastor Danny was scheduled to preach. I told him yesterday I wanted to preach today because the Lord woke me up yesterday morning and told me what to come preach to this congregation. And I rose to this pulpit this morning heavy burdened in my spirit, heavy burdened in my heart for somebody that came into this building wrestling, that's listening online wrestling. You've been wrestling since you were in your mother's womb. You've been wrestling with yourself in the wee hours of the night. You have ran and when you get there the wrestling continues and you run and the wrestling continues. I come this morning to tell you that the antidote for your wrestling is to build yourself a personal altar and grab a hold of it and refuse to let go of it until the answer comes, until the healing comes, until the wholeness comes. It will come at your personal altar. Oh, somebody ought to rejoice in the Lord this morning. Jacob wanted a blessing that would last. He was asked, what is your name? Do you think the angel didn't already know? The issue is that sometimes we don't know who we are. A lot of our wrestling is connected to the fact we don't even know who we are. Uh huh. We tell people, I'm, I'm Phil, I'm Dan, I'm Dylan, I'm Richard, I'm Jason. But do we really know who we are? Do we really know who we are? Do we allow what we've been through to define us in our own mind? Do we really believe we are who God created us to be? Do we really believe that we are as powerful as the scripture says we are? Do we really believe that greater things than these shall you do? Do we really believe that God has not forsaken us? Do we really believe that God is with us? Come on, do you really believe it? Do we just talk about it in church and clap to it and sing about it? Do you really believe you are who God says you are? Do you really believe you are what God says you are? I come today to tell you that God made you the head and not the tail. It doesn't matter if grandpa, grandma, mama, daddy, a co-worker, friend, relative, brother, sister, or abuser told you that you were something else beside what God made you. Let them be a lie and let God live in his word be alive forever I come this morning to tell you that you are who God says you are you are you don't God doesn't have to ask your name he knows who you are what what is your name what is your name my name is Jacob. The translation 
I don't have time for all the translation and transliteration of the words. Those of you who have been around the church for a long time have probably heard the translations. My name is Jacob. It simply meant hill grabber or supplanter or rascal. He was a rascal. He was a supplanter. He was a, he was a troublemaker. He was a hill grabber, meaning he grabbed his brother's hill in childbirth trying to beat his brother into this life to be the firstborn. He was a supplanter in that he worked against his brother to gain something that did not belong to him and wronged his brother. He was a rascal in that everything that he did had an ulterior motive. My name, my name is Jacob. The process of that altar had brought about a transformation that none of us reading that story could have ever possibly been able to have seen coming before that night of long weary wrestling. Jacob's name painted a picture of whom he had been since he was in his mother's womb. Jacob, who he was before he was ever born. Jacob was who he had always been. What is your name? Jacob, he said, my name is Jacob. But before the day broke that morning after a long night of wrestling, but understand it didn't just happen mysteriously, but it happened. Jacob's name was changed, but it did not happen till a night of wrestling at a personal altar. Some of the things that you've been wrestling with, you've been trying to find all sorts of ways. You've been on social media trying to find some mean that will help you. You've been reading every book you can get your hands on, listening to every podcast you can listen to, trying to find a way out of being who you are. But I'm going to tell you how your deliverance is going to come, young man and young lady in this room this morning. I'm going to tell you how your deliverance is going to come. See, you can be born again of the water and of the spirit like we talked about last week but God came to save you to the uttermost he came to save your mind and your spirit he came to recover everything that has been lost that means there is a point that there is going to have to be a name change in your own mind there is going to have to be a name change the angel said you've been a rascal from the time you were in your mother's womb but after a night at the personal altar of wrestling with the angel of the Lord. You have conquered and your name will be changed and will become Israel because now you have power with God. Oh, I'm reaching for somebody this morning that, that I have exposed in the Word of God, that the Word of God has shown you yourself today. I pray today that you'll grab a hold of what I'm preaching to you and say, no, no, I will not live another day the way I've been living. I've been born of the water and of the Spirit, but I'm going to build a daily altar, a personal altar, and I'm going to grab a hold of this thing until my will breaks uh, until my name changes in my own mind. Uh, I'm no longer the addicted. Uh, I'm no longer the abuser. I'm no longer the liar, the cheater, the whoremonger. I am uh, a child of Jesus Christ. Ooh, 
somebody give God a shout of praise in this room. Come on, lift up your voice and give God a shout of praise. For now, you have power with God. Jacob was transformed from the man he had been to the man God intended him to be. A prince with prevailing power with God. What's your name, Jacob? My name is now Israel. Every great accomplishment came after he built a personal God. This name change was dramatic. This was not just a nifty nickname given to him, but it was a new man that walked out to meet a new that is why when you were born again, everybody say born again. Born again of the water and of the spirit, you take on a name in baptism. And the name that we baptize in is the name that the by the only name the Bible says to baptize in. And that is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you take on the name of Jesus Christ, you are no longer just Phil, Dan, Richard, or Jason. I want to tell you who you are. You are a child of Jesus Christ. I am born again. I'm not the man I was. I'm not the person I used to be. You can bring up my past, bring up where I've been, bring up what I've done, but that's not who I am. I left that man at an altar, and I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Israel was the man Jacob always wanted to be. And the man that God intended him to be. So, moving along in this story, this new man, Israel, bought some land in Shalem and he built a house there. The Hebrew names, all the Hebrew names in the scripture have meaning that are important. He bought land in Shalem, built a house in Shalem. That word Shalem means complete. Mm. See, the scripture doesn't mix any words. See, we are complete in him. It's, it's just there. This, this Bible, this Bible, it is so powerful. Don't, don't lose a word of it. Don't lose a word of it. We are complete in him. I'm going to tell you, your, your education is not going to complete you. Go get it. Get the best one you can. Get the best job you can. But your position and your title is not going to complete you. We're complete in him. Uh, yeah, yeah, your financial status is not going to complete you. We are complete in him. That's right. Your ministry is not going to complete you. We are complete in him. After spending a lifetime of being an incomplete man, he was finally able to live in the place where he felt complete. But that didn't happen until he built a personal altar. But Jacob could never have lived in Shalem because Jacob was incomplete. Always wanting what his brother, brother had. And it wasn't until Jacob started blessing his brother 
said who could ever truly create God. But you see, you can't be complete. You cannot be complete until you can bless your brother. That's right. The one you competed against, yep, you got to be able to bless him. The one that maybe offended you, you've got to do more than just say, well, I forgive him. you got to be able to bless them. The one that hurt you, can you do more than just walk away from them? Or can you say, I I not only love you and care about you and forgive you, but I bless you. Mm -hmm. That's where, I'm trying to help somebody reach a point of completion this morning. I'm trying to tell you how you are going to be able to live after the born again experience. The completion of that born again experience will only be, see everything that I'm preaching about this morning is all built around a personal altar because when you go every day to that altar, every day to that altar and you pray for those that wounded you, you pray for those that hurt you, you pray for those that abuse before long, you start blessing them and start saying, God, why don't you save them? God, would you reach them? God, would you recover them? God, could you save them? I don't know how you can do that. I can't do it except through Jesus Christ, but I can do all things through Christ. It wasn't until he started blessing his brother that he ever felt complete. Some of us have been saved and set free, but we can't bear to bless our brother. We would rather compete because we are incomplete. But now Israel, he's living in a new place. He was living with a new name. He now has a new mindset. And then it was time for Israel to build a new altar. Watch, watch. He he buys land, he builds a house, he gets a new name, a new mindset, and then he builds a new altar there. Israel built a new altar. He could have named that altar anything that he wanted to name it. He could have named it the altar of Abraham, the faithful, the altar of Isaac, the promise, even the altar of Jacob after his past. But when Israel built the new altar, he named the, they named that altar Elohi Israel, which means the mighty God of Israel. That's right. That's right. I'm not going to keep focusing on where I've been. This isn't my grandpa's experience, my dad's experience. This isn't even who I've been or my past. But I'm building an altar, and I'm building an altar and naming that altar something that is significant to me. It is because he is my mighty God. He is is the one that delivered me. He is the one that brought me out. He is the one that met me when I was in the wilderness asleep in the midnight hour. He is the one that turned me around, placed my feet on. He is my deliverer, the most powerful one. This is when Israel entered into a relationship. Before he was dancing all around real relationship. But until he built a personal altar and all of these incredible things happened, he never truly could could live in true relationship. Are you ready for this? You you can experience God on Sunday and God on Wednesday 
But until you build a personal altar that you go to every day, you're not in real relationship. That's right. I, I got married whew, a long time ago, maybe fifth, 1990, over 33 years ago. I don't just, I don't just show up on Sundays and Wednesdays. That's right. A relationship is every day. I'm there every day. I don't even like to go away. I take a trip every now and then. I'm gone away, but I'm usually in a hurry to get back. You know why? Because I have relationship. See, when you have relationship, you, there becomes a longing to be back together. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you don't even want to be apart. You want to be together. See, that's how you know when you are in relationship. When you build an altar and you overcome the flesh, that that prayer time every day is not going to be so laborious that you feel like I'm bored and I can't stand it and I'm forcing myself to do this and I, I can't, oh no, there will be a point when that prayer is going to be, I just can't, it's time, I, it may not even be time to pray, I'm just going to go a little early because I know what to expect. I know that God is going to meet me there. I'm talking about relationship. When you build a personal altar and you become acquainted with that personal altar every day and you get in the word every day and God talks to you and you talk to God and you sup with him and him with you when you get in that relationship you now no longer need the, to, to reflect on grandpa's relationship of faith now you have your own relationship this is how he entered into a place of God's purpose it required him to build a new altar for a moment, if you're a guest here, God bless you. If you're new here, God bless you. But I want to speak to the seasoned church this morning. Those that have been serving God for a very long time. It is so easy for us to live and serve on past experiences. It becomes so easy for us to serve God based on what has been. Oh no, we're not wrestling with whether we're going to serve God or not. We settled those things a long time ago. But let me ask you, saint of God, let me ask you, experienced child of God, are you communicating with him every day? Are you on location with him every day? Are you faithful to him every day? Are you praying every day? Are you in the word of God? Oh, come on, you were shouting with me a few moments ago, what I'm trying to do is stir something in you this morning. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I read an article the other day about avoiding the summer slump, but I'm going to tell you there's more than just avoiding a summer slump. I believe that if we would get a hold of what Brother Dylan started about two or three weeks ago with our prayer chain and praying 24 hours a day, seven days, if we would get a hold of that and we would keep that going through summertime, we would stop fighting a summer slump slump, uh, the ups and the downs, uh, and the personal frustrations, uh, it, would, it would dissipate because our relationship is sustained in daily communication with him at a personal altar. Lift your hands toward heaven right now and just seek the Lord for a moment. Would you lift your voice?
didn't call the altar the mighty God of Abraham, the mighty God of Isaac. But he built an altar. He built an altar and put his own name on the altar, the mighty God of Israel. Not my grandpa's altar, not my dad's experience. It's an altar, my own personal altar that I need him to build. See, we can tell others that they ought to build an altar, but are you building your own? We have teachers in classrooms this morning that are telling your children they need to build an altar. We start young here. Oh, you can call it whatever you want to, but I'm in the word of God this morning and telling you if we teach our children to pray, you know why kids' prayer is so important? Because if we get them familiar with prayer as a child, they will grow up believing in prayer. They will grow up knowing that the first thing to do is pray, not the last thing to do. Come on, child of God, we believe in building altars around here. We believe in prayer here. That's why after every sermon and after every Bible study, we don't just say, God bless you, go home. But we make an appeal to the altar. We ought to be familiar with the altar. That everybody that walks in the doors of this building ought to come in by way of the altar and go out by way of the altar. You ought to make the altar a familiar place in God's house. Israel received more than a blessing, but he got a revelation. And he passed on the idea that I can have my own altar and you can have your own altar. And he taught us that Jehovah can be my God and Jehovah can be your God. His altar became personal and his God became personal. You want God to become personal to you, build a personal altar. He stops being their God and he starts being my God. It stops being their church, it starts being my church. Stops being their relationship, it starts being my relationship. The old songwriter, I, I believe, probably had it like this. That Jesus is mine. Jesus is mine. Everywhere I go, everyone I meet, oh, Jesus is mine. You know how you know Jesus is yours? When you talk to him every day and he communicates with you every day, you don't go wondering, who is he? You know who he is. He's mine. He's my God. He's my strength. He's my help. It's time for somebody to build a new altar and put your name on it. The Lord woke me up at 5 a.m. Saturday morning. Without a shadow of a doubt, the Lord woke me up. I popped my eyes open with the voice of the Lord thundering in my ear. And the Lord said, you can backslide from a boardroom and you can backslide from a classroom and you can backslide from the choir and backslide from the platform and backslide from the pulpit, but nobody ever backslides from the altar. I was so sure I heard the voice of God. I woke my wife up and I just spoke it to her. And she looked at me like, what in the world has gotten a hold of you? You never wake me up like this. And I told her, we've got to build personal altars. The altar was the only place in the tabernacle where things were intended to be tied. No tie-down straps anywhere through anything in the tabernacle except one place he put four horns on the altar. And the sacrifice, 
was brought and placed upon the altar. And the four horns were used to tie that animal to the four corners of the altar so it couldn't fall off. Now watch. Before that animal was ever put on that altar, razor sharp hot knife had already slit its throat and the blood had been caught in a basin. And that dead animal was placed upon the altar to be offered unto God. But Hebrews said he came to offer us a better way. That is that he doesn't come to kill and destroy us. But he said, present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. That's why there's horns on the altar. Because when the pain of life comes, when the offense comes, when the affliction comes, we'll wince back in pain unless we're tied to the four horns of the altar. If you'll present your body a living sacrifice, holiness won't be a problem for you. If you present your body a living sacrifice, none of the things the scripture declares will be difficult for you. I'm presenting it. He did it on the cross. He laid down and stretched forth his hands and he even said the word, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. And he looks at us and says, present your body. Don't let any preacher demand it out of you. You got to do it for yourself. You got to climb onto that personal altar and stretch out those hands and say, tie me to this thing, God. I got to come here every day. When the pain of life comes, I'm not running from the altar. I'm tied to it. I'm going to tell you what my wife and I chose to do a long time ago. We tied ourselves to the things of God. The point of our marriage, we decided way back when, nothing's going to separate us from serving God. I'm tied to this thing. Lord sent this preacher to this pulpit this morning to tell you you got to have a personal altar and you got to be tied to it. When pain and suffering and heartache and trouble and disappointment and suffering comes, if you're tied to it, you'll be all right. Just cling to the altar. Stand with me all over the room. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one's moving around the room right now. The presence of the Lord is in this room. God's reaching for somebody in this house today to declare, I I need to become more familiar with the altar than I have been. I need to build an altar in my life. We only have one service today, so let's just take some time here at this altar call. We need to build some altars in this room. It'll settle some things. You want to settle some things in your life? Settle it at the altar. Settle it at the altar. You want to make a decision? Make the decision at the altar. I hope in these altars that 
to this church this morning. If somebody wants to come and just establish an altar, reestablish an altar, become reacquainted with the altar, or build an altar for the first time, make room for everybody. Everybody ought to respond to the preach word today. Oh, let God touch you today. I pray I didn't preach over anybody's head today. If you're new here, if this is your first time here, just come forward and find yourself a little place to pray for a few moments. This is what we're doing. We're just taking some time to say I'm building a daily altar, daily connection with God. Come on, seek Him. Don't be ashamed. Lift your voice. Let those prayers be heard this morning. yourself to it. Tie yourself to this thing.